Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And as we do, Father, we open our hearts to you for change. We look to you to minister to us by your spirit, changing us from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his precious and holy blood. Father, we thank you for the privilege of reaching our generation with the life-changing truths of the gospel. And as you teach and instruct us, so shall we go forth and teach and instruct others. So now be glorified, Father, in all that is said and done. Anoint my lips of clay to proclaim the truth of your word and power and demonstration. We'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 will be our opening text. We're talking about spiritual dominion this evening. Spiritual dominion. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If Jesus had us pray that way, then I believe he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how's it being done in heaven? We need to find out. Because that's how he wants it done on earth. Can you say amen? Right, so first of all, what we're going to do is we're going to share with you, it just hit me real hard as I was studying this through. We're going to share with you how we can understand or ascertain the will of God certain ways that we can ascertain his will for our lives and really in the earth so we begin first of all number one by looking at creation we look at creation creation reveals to us the will of God in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1 we read thus the heavens and the earth were what word finished there in the Hebrew actually means brought to their predestined end or a state of perfection so once God finished all the works of his hands in creation everything was brought to its predestined end and all the hosts of them so we look at creation the six days and then the seventh day he rested and he declared that everything was brought to a state of perfection so we need to see that God intended for man to live in a place that was beautiful a wonderful relationship that he had with Adam a glorious environment in which for him to live the perfect wife that he handcrafted for him perfect profession just keep on anything that's evil anything that doesn't belong there we can go on and on. No sin, no sickness, no sorrow, no sighing, no crying, no dying, no more woes. All those, nothing exists there. Anything exists there like that. The kingdom of darkness and evil is on the outside. There's no worry, there's no anxiety or anything like that. It doesn't exist in this beautiful, wonderful place of creation, the Garden of Eden. And that represents the perfect will of God for man. That was his intended purpose. But then secondly, what we discover is the fall of man. Now the fall of man gives us a revelation of not God's will for man, but Satan's will 
for man. How many of you know that, God, that Satan doesn't like you? Oh, God may love you, but the devil doesn't like you. As a matter of fact, look in John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus made this declaration. The, key, the thief has a purpose. And what's he come for? But for to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. That'll be next. But first of all, what's the thief come for? To steal. What did he steal? He stole man's dominion. He came to kill. What did he kill? His spirit. In separation from God and partook of a wrong nature. A sinful nature. The thirdly, thirdly, what did he come to destroy? To destroy his man from becoming what God wanted him to be. Think about those three things. He came to steal Adam's dominion. He came to kill, take his life, and he did spiritually. And then also he would have died physically. He did die physically. But then destroy him from becoming what God intended for him to be. That means there could have been a promotion for him had he faithfully obeyed God during that a lot of time that he had to prove himself before God. And he could have been elevated to a higher place. He was made a little bit lower than God himself. But anyhow, the point is, when we see the fall of man, we understand what the will of God is not. It was not his will that man be separated from him in isolation. It was not his will that man would live in sin, sickness, disease, and then finally die. It wasn't his will that he would be in despair, worry, frustration, anxiety. All those things that really constitute the kingdom of darkness. It was not his will that any of that dominate the man that he created for himself. So we see the will of God in creation. We see the will of Satan in the fall of man. And then thirdly, Jesus reveals to us also the will of God. And so if we look at Jesus in his life. We can clearly see and understand and know the will of God. Look in John's gospel, chapter 5, what Jesus said in verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Notice, I can do nothing. Think that through. I can do nothing. What can we do without Him? Without His presence, His power. Without His sustaining our lives. We can do nothing. Jesus was not one that established His own agenda for the life that He lived upon the earth. What He did was He sought the will of the Father. Now, what do you want done in my life today? Secondly, in John 6, 38, He said these words, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. So Jesus came to the earth to discover the agenda that the father had for his life and to do his will and complete it as he lived his life here upon the earth and then thirdly we saw in John 10 10 once again the thief comes to seal kill and destroy but I'm come that they may have what life and have it more abundantly he came to give us life not death he came not to take away our lives but to give life to us and so we can see in creation the beautiful will that God had for man. We can see in the fall the awful will that Satan has for mankind. We can see in Jesus who came 4,000 years later for what reason? To come to destroy the works of the devil 
and reestablish the will of God being done on earth among men. And that's what he was sent to do, and that's exactly what he did. He could also say, I have glorified you on the earth. I completed the work that you gave me to do. I've established your will as being done on this earth. So as we look into the life of Jesus and we study the life of Jesus, we discover God's will. This is what God's will looks like. And then fourthly, we can also discover the will of God being revealed by looking at Satan being banished a thousand years, his 1,000 year ban. Look at the book of Revelation chapter 20, the first three verses. When he is eliminated from human contact, things will be different. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a, for a little season. Well... If you study this out, the millennial reign of Christ, what you discover is in that time, that 1,000 year period on this earth, beautiful things begin to happen. When Satan is eliminated from human contact, praise God, there is longevity. People will live to be 1,000 years old. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. How about this? And no arthritis. Think about that. No evil to contend with no temptation to do wrong there's not going to be any poverty any sickness no one's going to say I am sick during that time can you imagine what's going to happen to all of our hospitals and everything a perfect economy perfect peace the prince of peace will rule to be honest with you Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 will be fulfilled in Israel out of Jerusalem he'll reign but look at the verse in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder boy that's the time to shout right there hallelujah, hallelujah. The, the, the government will be upon his shoulder not anybody else's not a democrat not a republican not an independent the government will rest upon his shoulder and praise God his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father the prince of peace every promise that God ever made to Israel will be fulfilled during that 1000 year millennial reign in Christ the wolf will lie with the lamb the curse is going to be lifted there's going to be love flowing like a mighty river and I'll tell you what people that that obey God are going to have the best time of their lives there's not going to be any need to, uh, to pay taxes because the tithe will fund the whole kingdom in its operation. Think about it. He'll be the Prince of Peace. People want to pray for world peace. You see in pageants and all that. You know, what, what, would, you, what would you like to do? World peace and stop hunger. Well, guess what? It will take place in the millennial reign of Christ. Everybody will have all things equal. Imagine that. That's the will of God. And then the new heavens and the new earth. Look at Revelation chapter 21. New heavens and the new earth. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away half their tears 
you're awake on Wednesday evening. All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There's, neither shall there be any more pain. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No more pain. Well, why is that? Because the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So as we look at those five particular things revealed to us in Scripture, we discover the will of God. It seems to me by studying these things, what we discover is this. God wants us to have wonderful lives. God intended for man to have a wonderful life. All he had to do was to prove to the Creator what he would do with his free moral agency, choose to live out the whatever length of time that he had during that time of proving and obeyed God, been elevated to the highest place, and then guess what? I believe he would have then become sons and daughters of God. They would have become. Can you imagine this, parents, having children without one rebellious bone in their body? Without one sarcastic tone in their voice. Should I go further? <laughs> I better stop right there. But can you imagine having children that are reared up in a perfect environment? No sickness, no disease, no sin, no, tempt no tempter. Glory to God. Imagine that. All right. God's original plan. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Here's God's original plan. And God said, let us make man in our image. So it says God, God is Elohim. And that means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Let us, all three, make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have, let them have. All three are in agreement to let them have what? Dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and over everything that moveth upon the earth. God is the overseer. And he gave his man that he created dominion, which is supreme authority to do what? Manage the creation that he created. So in other words, he says, look, this is your baby now. This is what you're going to do. You do this. You keep out anything and everything. Any creep that tries to creep in, keep out all creeps. Keep out everything and anything that doesn't represent my will for your life. Don't step beyond the boundaries I've established for you. Don't let the kingdom of darkness that exists on the outside, on the inside. Think about it. You have every tree here you could partake of. Anything you need is here. Everything you need is here. What more could you possibly want or ask? You've got a beautiful relationship with the Father. You talked to Him in the cool of the day. You've got the perfect wife. Look, guys, ours has to be found, right? Whoso finds a wife... His was given, created, perfectly handcrafted just by design for him. Okay, so it was all beautiful. Why did he do what he did? Why did they do what they did? I wish, don't you believe it? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather that they didn't? Can you imagine what our lives would have been like? Well, anyhow, 
God gave man dominion over all the works of his hands. Now, we have to say this is true. We don't really get a glimpse of what that meant. We know that he had this kind of dominion and authority over all the works of his hands, all of creation. But do we see anywhere in scripture where it talks about what he did to exercise that dominion? We know that he had the ability to name all the animals, so he was very intelligent, used 100% of his brain powers. But we don't get a picture painted of him doing anything. As a matter of fact, sad to say, we do see that the first opportunity we see that he could have done something about it, he didn't. He fell. But, lo and behold, where the first Adam failed, the second Adam came along. Jesus is the second Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. And he gives us a glimpse or paints a picture for us of what dominion looks like. Dominion, to exercise supreme authority in different realms. For example, number one, when it comes to nature. How did he demonstrate or exercise dominion in the realm of nature? Well, he turned water into wine. Right? He walked on water. He calmed the raging sea. And he even commanded a fish to bring him some tax money. And the fish did. Right? We know of anybody else ever doing anything like that? Okay. Secondly, when it comes to the law of supply and demand. He multiplied bread and fish. A little boy's lunch fed thousands of people. And then they had baskets that were left over. So in other words, he was dominant. He was not dominated by the circumstances that surrounded him. And then thirdly, when it comes to demon powers, we are told he cast out the spirits with his word and these demons obeyed him. So he exercised this kind of authority or dominion over the kingdom of darkness and all these demon forces were subject to him. And then next, disease. He healed every person that ever came to him in faith and every single one was healed. He healed them all. And then finally, and trust me, it's not the end of it. But death itself, when we think about death and we think about its impact and you think about its, that's the end, it's over. But even four days after it's over, he can walk up to the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth. Because he demonstrated the kind of authority and dominion that even transcends death itself. What kind of awesome power did he possess? Well, since Jesus was sinless, he was not subject to Satan's kingdom. And since Jesus was anointed from on high with Holy Ghost power, he could go about doing good and releasing the awesome power of the living God among the people that he ministered to. And that's why he did all the things that he could do. And so, thank God, because of Jesus coming to this earth, he demonstrates to us the power that man really had from the very beginning. But as you look in Psalms, also the 8th Psalm, we're going to read the whole thing. There's only nine small verses. But look, look at this. That Jesus demonstrated to us what it looked like to have dominion from the very beginning. That man forfeited because he chose to rebel against God, to step beyond the boundaries that God established for his own life. O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name on all the earth. Who has sent the, thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. 
When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you visited him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And that's really Elohim. That word is Elohim as well as the beginning. And has crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, he was the highest crown of God's creation. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and beasts of the field, the fowl of the air. And the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I believe that language is very clear. Jesus demonstrated the kind of power and authority or dominion that Adam had from the very beginning. So where the last Adam failed, the first, the second, the first Adam failed, the last Adam did not fail. But he walked on this earth in a power that really is jaw-dropping if you think about it. When they brought up to him on the mountain, when he was up on that mountaintop, and they brought him those that were blind, deaf, dumb, maimed, and halt, what did he do? He healed every single one of them. And they marveled when they saw even people whose body parts were removed, grew back. Think about the power that he had and the ability. It's amazing. Well, I believe that as we study this out, we discover that God never intended that you and I be overcome by the powers of darkness. He had never intended for us to be ruled by the forces of evil. He never intended for us to have lives where we are just overwhelmed and overcome by circumstances to such a degree that we don't know which way to turn and what way to go. It was not his intended purpose for his man to be in subjection to any of the evils that we're talking about here tonight. It was God's intended purpose that man would rule, that man would reign supreme, and that he would cooperate with God and keep out all evil from the kingdom, really uh, the garden, which was the kingdom of God in operation right there. But he chose not to do it. He chose to rebel against God. And when he did, he opened up that door to all the evils that we encounter in this realm of life today. And how horrible it's been as a result for mankind. I just think about the news and hear the things that you're, we're thinking, we're hearing. Some things we heard today are just absolutely unimaginable. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But God doesn't want us to be ruled by the enemy. He intended that we be managers of his creation and honor him. And what a, what a position, a high position that he held. Now, next dominion was lost in John's gospel chapter 10 before Jesus said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but I came to give you life did you notice in verse 1 where in verse 2 where it talks about how the enemy the thief comes in but he doesn't come in through the legal channel the shepherd of the sheep he comes in the legal way but the hireling he comes in illegally so we could say in the beginning that Lucifer, Satan, in, in the form of a serpent, was an illegal immigrant. And he entered into the realm of the Garden of Eden illegally. Eve didn't do any extreme vetting whatsoever. Because had she done some extreme vetting, guess what she would have found out? You were Lucifer, the son of the morning. You had a high position there at the throne of God. 
But I discovered that you wanted to assert the authority of God. You wanted to rise up above God. And you said five times, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Pride was found in your heart. And so therefore you fell from the presence of God because you stepped beyond the boundaries that God established for your existence. And when you did that, you went down low. And here you are trying to tell me, did God really mean it when he said that you're going to die? God didn't mean that at all. You're a liar and the father of liars. So get out of my garden. Boy, wouldn't it have been wonderful? Ladies, no pain in childbearing at all. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Think about it. But she didn't do that. Uh-uh. She opened up the door. Adam, of course, was the one that was really just as guilty for what he did as well. But notice in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And the devil took, this is speaking of Jesus' temptation. And the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will I give it. I read one commentary and he said that wasn't a really, a, that was a lie so that wasn't a temptation. Well why does the scripture say he was tempted? He was tempted, meaning that truly Adam legally transferred his power over to the devil. And Satan became the god of this world or the prince of this world. Two titles you can say confirmed by both Jesus and Paul. First of all, look at what Jesus said. John's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who's the prince of this world? Satan is. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This is Paul speaking. Who taught Paul the gospel? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. So who's blinding people's minds that don't believe? Satan is. And what's he's blinding them with? Darkness. And who did Paul call him? The God of this world. Now another verse is very important here. Look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29. Once again. Jesus is going to exercise authority over these demon powers. And these demon powers have been given authority. Adam's authority to rule over the earth for a certain period of time which was Adam's lease you could say and when Jesus told them to come out look what they said behold they cried out saying what have we to do with thee Jesus thou son of God they knew who he was are you come hither to torment us before the time they knew that there was an allotted time and they knew that they could do their thing for a certain period of time how many of you know that the enemy, Satan, knows his end is coming. He knows his doom is coming. He knows that. Before the time, in other words, Jesus, here you are on earth and you're wreaking havoc with our kingdom. Why are you doing this? How can you do this before the time? So it reveals to us that Adam had a certain period of time in which he would have to prove himself to God. And if he passed the test, so to speak, then he could be elevated because God could trust him. But since he didn't, obviously he fell, and Satan usurped his authority, he legally transferred it over to 
to the devil. And he's now recognized as the God of this world, which is why he has the right to rule over people's lives who are not born again. People that are out there in the world don't realize that, but they have a master out there that's ruling their lives. It's the devil. And that's why we hear of all this craziness that's going on in the world today. That's exactly what the devil did. He snuck in, did his thing, usurped authority, and as a result, the fall of man. Now, there's someone else that also came into the world. And I want you to see this. His name is Jesus. And Jesus didn't come illegally. So let's look at the next part of this. Dominion reclaimed. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. Jesus had to do something about what was going on in the earth. And the Bible says, He that commits sins of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What purpose? That he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. What was his mission that he said he came to do? Destroy the works of the devil. God was getting to the point where he couldn't tolerate it any longer. He looked upon the circle of the earth and he saw the evil that existed in the heart of man. And it was finally time for him to say, Okay, son, it's time for you to go get down there and get things straightened out. And so Jesus left the glory world behind came to the earth. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2 we see this in verses 14 and 15. Notice, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. He didn't enter in by a serpent. He came in a legal way. He took upon himself flesh and blood through, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and do what? Deliver them who were subject by fear of death all their lifetime. But now notice this. Jesus, if he was vetted, can you imagine if Eve would have just said, I'm going to do some extreme vetting, or Mary would have said, I'm going to do some extreme vetting. Now you tell me that uh, it's this, I'm going to have in my womb the Son of God. Okay. Where's he come from? Well, he made heaven, earth, seeing all that in the midst. He always was, always is, and always will be. If he's the creator, and he comes in by the legal channel, legally entering into the world where Satan illegally entered in through a serpent do you see just how God is think about the way he does things he's got to be just to himself just to man and just even to the devil himself he couldn't just usurp the authority illegally is the point he came in legally into this realm of life in which we live to do what? Undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. And he did. Look at the next in Colossians chapter 1, or ch chapter 2, and verse 15. This is from the New Living Translation. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What did Jesus do? He came into this world... To destroy the works of the devil. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Which was man's dominion was lost. He came to disarm the principalities and powers that are rage, really aimed against us. And that's exactly what his life mission was when he came to the earth. And so Jesus disarmed which means he stripped Satan of his authority. And paraded him as a defeated leader among all those that followed him 
would it not be wonderful if on the day that we're there in glory and it says he's going to show us certain things and on the other side if he could have a dvd of what he did for us and how he did it for us when he entered into the strong man's house he bound the strong man he stripped him of his power and dominion and authority that was transferred over to him legally by adam and then jesus who came in legally through human flesh that's his only right to walk in the even though he's the creator of it the only way he could come in legally he's not a hireling he said, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. I came through a legal channel, which was the birth canal, and I was born into this realm, and I was on this mission to destroy the works of Satan. And if you think about this, you read the Gospels, and what you find out, anyone and everyone that came to him that had anything to do with the devil's work in their lives he destroyed it he cast out the devils the deaf heard the blind saw the main were being being made whole the lame walked uh, and leap think about it he was on a mission to undo the works of satan and then ultimately get back man's lost dominion that's exactly what he came to do look at the next one in matthew 28 If we can picture this and see this happening, unfolding before our eyes. He's born of a virgin. He's a baby. He grows up as we all know. At age 30, he's thrust into public ministry after being baptized in water. He walks on this earth and he demonstrates an authority and a power that man has never seen before. I mean to tell you, he speaks and everybody listens and everybody obeys. Whether it's the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, whatever it is. Okay, he goes to a cross, he suffers and dies, he takes our sin upon himself. That thing that separated us from the loving God that we serve. After he paid the penalty for our sin, he was raised up from the dead. When he was raised up from the dead, oh thanks be to God, he reclaimed our authority. Dominion reclaimed. Look at this in Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them. This is after his resurrection saying, a little bit of power half of the power that Adam lost how much of the power what does all mean in the dictionary what's it mean I guess it means all all power is given to me in heaven and in earth all power he came to reclaim man's lost dominion and all power was given to him in heaven and in earth. Look in the book of Revelation. I don't know, I can't read this without shouting. I don't know about you, but mm. this is John on the Isle of Patmos. You've read a few verses before this and he saw Jesus and he fell, I'm telling you, like a dead man. And this is from the Message Bible. I saw this and fainted dead at his feet. That's the feet of Jesus. His right hand pulled me upright. Can you imagine that? And his voice reassured me. Don't fear. I am the first. I am last. I am alive. I died. But I came to life. And my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand. They open and lock death's doors. They open and lock hell's gates. 
Can you imagine that scene when he's there before John on that Isle of Patmos and John hears him say those words after seeing him as he was? The keys stand for dominion. The keys stand for authority. And what he was saying was, I have reclaimed man's lost dominion. Now remember this. It took six days and he creates the world, the universe, and all that's in it. And then he was resting on the seventh day. In other words, this is it. This is how I want it to be. When man messed the whole thing up, it took this creative, powerful, awesome God four thousand years to correct man's mistake. Gee. And it's still not finalized some 6,000 years later, is it? Think about it. He had to do it legally, and that's why. And so he legally got the keys of death and the grave. He says, all dominion belongs to me. All right. We have no problem with that. But now notice this. Dominion restored. Because you see, he has it. Because of his sacrifice, his sinless life, and his sacrifice on Calvary's cross, and because of his defeating the devil, destroying all his works, he reclaimed man's lost authority, and now he restores it back to you and to me. Look in the book of Luke, in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his twelve disciples together, and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick so who did he give this authority to when he was on the earth 12 disciples the apostles I realize some people will be saying but that was them and they're a special group of people it's okay if you want to think that way. But you know what? They're just like us, flesh and blood. Amen. Secondly, looking at in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, chapter 10, verses 17 to 19. That was 12. And the 70 returned. He sent 70 out to do the same thing. Again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said to them, I beheld light, Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Once again, while he was on the earth, he had this power. He had no sin in his life. And so therefore, he can exercise dominion. And also, apparently, he can also allow them to experience that same dominion and use it to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. And what did, did they do with it? They destroyed his works. And what did they, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw that. And they were marveling at the fact that they had power and authority over all the, the, the powers of evil. But guess what? Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. That's what you rejoice in. So we see the seven, or the, the twelve, then the seventy. And now what about the church? Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. In verses 18 and 19. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys. The authority. The dominion of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Notice he's talking to Peter, but he's talking about the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, the church that he would build. And so he was once again restoring lost dominion to the church so that we could rise up in the authority of his name and do what? Whether it's cast out devils, whether it's take up serpents, whatever it might be, overcome the works of darkness in the earth. Well, praise God, Jesus restored that. But look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Because some would still be skeptical and just say, well, what about us? Well, in Romans chapter 5 verse 17. If, for if by one man's offense, what reigned? Death reigned by one. And that was the first Adam. The first Adam opened up the door to death and all that it brings into this realm of life in which we live. Everybody say those next two beautiful words. Much more. We better say it again. Death reigned in all its fury over human lives, bringing destruction, disease, despair. And the list goes on and on. Satan wreaking havoc over human lives. But as one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall what? Reign in life by one Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is he's restored man's lost dominion. Now, the devil can still exercise authority over people that are outside the kingdom. But you and I, we've been delivered from the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. We've been translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. We have a new Lord. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. And guess what? Last I checked, heaven doesn't need anything. Jesus didn't get this dominion back for himself to sit on a throne and boss angels around. He had that before he left. Right? So then why did he go through all this effort to reclaim this lost dominion and restore it in the life of a believer? Because he wants us to reign in life over the circumstances that try to come against us in this life. And not just sit back and let the devil run all over us and say, there's nothing I can do about the situation. Look at Mark's gospel. Well, first of all, Romans, Romans chapter 6 verse. Look what it says here in Romans about what we are to reign over. And this is paramount. This is first and foremost. Because I think sometimes we think otherwise. Here, after Paul says we're to reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And where sin abound, grace much more abounds. Isn't that what he said? And then in chapter 6 verse 1 he says, well then, if that's the case, should we sin so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, no, 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 don't, don't look at it that way. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God for sin shall not have dominion over you sin has no dominion over any of us praise God sin has no power over the life of the believer 
who is established in righteousness. Thanks be to God. We've got power. We've got dominion, first and foremost, over sin. And we're not to allow it to reign in our mortal bodies. Because if we walk uprightly before the Lord, we'll be able to use our dominion that's been restored to us over all the work of the enemy. Now look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that, by, that believe in my name. Why is it in his name? Because it belongs to him. Because the authority and dominion belongs to him. He allows us to use the power, the authority, the dominion that he has in his name to do what? They shall cast out devils is the first thing. You know what? We all, every single one of us, needs to realize our, our warfare is not carnal. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare and we need spiritual dominion. Behind that thing that we're encountering, there is a spiritual force that needs to be dealt with. And so it's important that we understand the need for us to go beyond even our politicians, beyond, let's say, even our military strength and forces. I realize there are so you know, many people think we need to have a stronger you know, military, and that's, that's fine. But I want you to know something. There is nothing more powerful than the hand of the living God upon the nation who says, In God we trust, and that we believe God. When Israel faced three armies under, well, actually Judah, when they faced three armies under Jehoshaphat's uh, reign and leadership, he knew they were no match for those three armies, but he wasn't trusting in chariots, he wasn't trusting in horses, he was trusting in the name of the Lord his God. He put his eyes on him and said, my eyes are upon you, we are no match for all that's coming against us. And you know what, there's nothing wrong with admitting that. You are no match for your enemy, I am no match for enemy, but I'm not going against the enemy in my strength, my power, my intellect, my wisdom, my ability you and I are standing against all the powers of Narcus in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who defeated him and brought him down and who was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father and restored to each and every one of us our lost dominion that's how we approach the work of darkness and so he says they will do what cast out devils speak with new tongues Take up serpents. If they drink anything, they think it won't hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So notice these five things. Part of our dominion. Number one, we already said we have dominion over sin, right? But now, over devils and demons. Over the tongue. Hallelujah. Over the tongue. Get that tongue sanctified under the Holy Ghost. Praise God. They'll speak with new tongues. And then, they'll take up serpents serpents once again that represents the animal kingdom we have dominion over the animal kingdom we shared many testimonies with you how in the indonesian revival when uh, individuals went out to minister for the lord that even the animals alligators crocodiles obeyed is that powerful we don't see much of that here because we don't have that need but we saw Paul exercising dominion over a, a rattlesnake or a snake, that, a venomous beast, and he just shook it off. And then also, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. And the same thing in the Indonesian revival, the same thing. They took enough poison, they said, to kill a regiment of soldiers had no effect upon their bodies. And then finally, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is the great commission. And he would be unfair to send us out to perform or fulfill the mandate of the great commission and not give us the power, the authority, the dominion that we need to do what he told us to do. And so Jesus did what? Restored our lost dominion and gave us power over all the power of the enemy. 
And it's up to us now to do what the first Adam didn't do, but use the authority of the second Adam who did the right thing and say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I am going to use the authority that God has given me in the name of Jesus Christ to stand against all the wiles of the devil, to stand against all the attacks and strategies of the enemy, to stand against whatever comes my way, and that's going to be my solid front. I refuse to give up. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give in. I am not giving up on whatever it might be that you're challenged with tonight. I am rising up and I will use my authority. Now listen, too often what we want is this. God, you do something about my situation. I got this huge mountain that's standing in my way. It's interfering with my progress. I can't go forward. You know what Jesus said to do? Speak to your mountain. He didn't say pray to God to remove your mountain. He said speak to it. You see, the thing is we have this wrong mindset. We think that we just got to sit back and wait for something good to happen. But you know what? Jesus said, rise up. You've got the rod. Use it. Go forward. Forget those things that are behind you. Any regrets that you might have. Any disappointments that you might have. Any faults. Any failures. Any things that took place in the past. Forget about it. Rise up and go forward. And press on for the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And use the authority and dominion that God gave you to reign over the situations we encounter in this life. How? By the name of Jesus. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It's our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.